so this is it. This is the first episode of Dead Letter Radio, the podcast featuring everyone who is listening, everyone who has submitted. That is poetry, short stories, song lyrics, uh, letters that you never sent, and anything in between. I'm your host, Taze, and I'm so happy to be here and so happy for everyone who has submitted uh, something for me to share. I started this podcast with the idea of, as someone who's written themselves a lot, it's always been highly intimidating, at least for me, when it comes to sharing it, just because it's always felt so personal. And so for those who maybe are a little shy or maybe lack the confidence and want to share something, or maybe those who want to share just maybe with their names not attached, or they want to have their name attached and get their uh, name out there, I wanted to give a platform for writers of all sorts. And so for those who are just listening, this is a place you can relax, get some interesting viewpoints on life, hear some poetry, short stories, song lyrics, as I mentioned, and just kind of hear what your neighbors are really saying, hear what everyone's viewpoint of the world is. I like to think that this is an interesting um, record of events where everyone can say their piece and you can kind of get a mosaic of what life is like uh, in time when we record these episodes. So to begin, I thought I should lead by example when I'm talking about people and should submit their work. Um, I wrote a piece a few years ago that I think really fits in with the winter time that's coming and we're having some snow. It's actually been mostly rain where I am, but we did have a little bit of snow come as well. So as we get into those winter months, I thought this piece fit really, really well as for the debut episode. It is titled, A Toad, An Idea. With the footsteps of winter coming near, a toad listened to the soft sighs of a world quietly freezing. The trees had undressed their color, and everything was drifting into a slumber. With shivering hands, the toad carried every light bulb he could find, small and large, dim and bright, shattered and whole. He fastened them, he stacked them, and a tower formed as his breath became a heavy fog. A toad sat as winter tucked the world to sleep in white, his eyes watching a tower of light, at first hoping to catch all the flies he could, but instead now watching, watching all the lights, shadows, snowflakes so cold and yet so warm, falling asleep until spring. It's funny, reading that piece back now, Obviously, I had certain thoughts in my mind as I when I originally wrote it, but now it honestly brings me that nostalgic feeling almost of waking up at like 5 a.m. and the sky still has that nighttime hue mixed in with the morning light before the sun breaks the horizon and it's snowing out and then just going back to sleep under covers. I don't know, for me as a kid, that was the greatest feeling. The next piece, though, kind of has a little bit of that frozen theme in it too still, um, is by a good friend of mine named Brianna Grunstrom. She's a great writer. She submitted this piece. It doesn't have a title in it yet, but I think it's something we can all relate to. Treasuring your laughter, I caught on that grainy old film. Past crumpled Polaroids of your ocean eyes stain my everlasting memory. Let me enjoy these frozen in-time mementos since I'll never witness them again in person. This makes me reflect on how the future, in a way, can be very positive and hopeful, but a bit bittersweet, at least when compared to the past, in terms of we carry on so much and hold on to so many things of people that 
we're not necessarily close to, or maybe they're gone, um, whether that's death or relationships have changed. I mean, think about all the pictures, especially with social media you have now, videos, um, memories, uh, belongings that you may have had from someone that's not either A, a part of your life anymore, or someone that maybe they're not as important in your life anymore in current time. And so thank you, Brianna, for submitting that. I greatly appreciate it. This next piece is by a user by the name of NCARD. Um, they wrote this piece in response to an online science article called The Quantitative Comparison Between the Neuronal Network and the Cosmic Web by F. Vaza and A. Fleddy. The author of this piece is NCARD, as I said, and I have chose it because you don't see, at least in my own reading, I don't see too many times people mixing very scientific pieces and mixing that with poetry, that combination of art and academic. So I really liked it, and I think it's a great piece overall. Its title is, Black Holes Are the Oldest Souls. If individual stars are individual lives, coexisting on vastly different scales and different dimensions, and if reincarnation is real by way of thermodynamics and the dark depths of our universe yet unknown, you and your past and future selves just may be a constellation. Let's say, perhaps, that black holes are the oldest souls, some wandering, solitary, some magnanimous, amassing Milky Ways, and more. And maybe the deepest love, so below as above, is a nuclear family nebular cluster, and a celestial friendship of binary stars, and more. If stars are lives, then, will you look out into the night sky and feel so familiar? With galactic eyes, will you see what it means to be a part made of parts and more? Thank you once again, NCARD, for that submission. I think this poem just goes to show that not all poetry has to be super flowery. I mean, you can definitely blend it a bit with science, and I'm just a huge fan because I always loved astronomy and everything to do with space science, so thank you so much for that submission. This next one's actually a letter. Um, it is by Tiffany Helene. It's titled, I Want You. For so many reasons, but also for so many I can't explain. You don't get it, and I just keep my distance because it's what I need to do. I just want to turn the world off and give you pieces of me that I know would surprise you, pieces I would never want back. I want to embrace your shyness, the distance, the indecisiveness, and give you what you deserve. A call with only you. I want to describe all the things I want to do with you, and to you. If you give me the opportunity, you're not going to regret it. Show me that it's worth it. I just want to feel like this is worth it. Thank you, Tiffany, for submitting this letter. I, we all have been there. I mean, if you haven't, then I feel like one day you will be. Of uh, That feeling of being drawn to someone, but there's always that barrier in the way to want to be able to give them all of you, but because of circumstances, you can give them none of you, or at least not to the capacity that you want. So thank you, Tiffany, for that. This next one is actually a haiku. If you're not familiar, haiku originates in Japan. It's a poetry form that's usually associated with five, seven, five syllable lines. This one is by Josh Gagne. 
When I learned Morse code, I couldn't get restful sleep. The rain kept talking. What does the rain say to all of you when you listen to it? I mean, for me, this brings back just the images of those nights where you can't get something out of your head. Or if it's about someone or something, it's just like it's surrounding you. And now imagine that with each raindrop being that thing that you're fixated on or that you're trying to drown out, but it's just a reminder. Thank you, Josh. I greatly appreciate it. I think it's a fantastic haiku. I would love to see more haiku as well, so please send them in. This next one is actually a really cool uh, group. It's called the Austin's Poets Union. Austin Poets Union. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at ATX Poets, and it is a collective of poets in the Austin, Texas area. This one is submitted by Angie, and it's titled Upon Waking. Once a wildebeest calf fell behind the herd, fell prey to a spotted hyena, who had fallen to instinct to survive, or so were taught. And it was hard to hear mother's child scream, but I did not change the channel. And the mother stayed with her herd. One glance back, a single clockwise canter to witness her calf submit. And then the mother walked away, and it was hard to watch a mother walk away. But I did not change the channel. And the hyena took the hind quarter and tore the calf at the hip, leaving her untenable. And the hyena drank from the wound of the calf. And it was hard to watch one take what isn't theirs. Sometimes I dream I am wildebeest. When I wake, I am hyena. And I cannot change the channel. I would love to hear all of your thoughts on this one. And thank you, Angie and Austin Poets uh, Union for submitting this piece. But I would love to hear what your guys' take on it is. For me, it just reminds me of the brutality and cruelty you'd see in nature documentaries, but I was still fascinated by, but also how life is a cycle of uh, give and take or things being taken from you. And thusly, we usually do take things from other things if we're not aware of it or not but we still do not change the channel. At least that's my feeling of it, my interpretation. I would love to hear what you guys think. So this next one is by Peter Lilly. You can find him at Peter Lilly Poems, and that's with two L's, or their blogspot, peterlillypoetry.blogspot.com. The title of this piece is Edge. I wanted to look out from the edge of the world and feel the weight of a thousand miles of ocean breaking against my toes. I wanted to look out, to fearlessly stand on overhanging cliff face, adding to the nothing before me with my breath. I wanted to look out from the flat of my back at the immeasurable depth of the blackness between the stars, all thinly veiled in our life parcel atmosphere. Give me distance so I can taste the untampered air of the sea. So I can see a thousand-peaked horizon reverberating the globe before my feebly observing eyes. So I can be pinned to the earth by starlight, whose heat and fury is refracted by light years to become peace and beauty. Give me sea, give me mountains, give me stars, and keep your phony medicine.
Thank you, Peter, for this great poem. Actually, when me and Peter were talking a little bit and he submitted this piece, um, he mentioned how this piece was a call to be proactive and in one way a celebration of the beauty of nature. And it was written a few years ago, but it does seem like it kind of correlates with the whole COVID situation if you're in an area that's going through lockdown. At least for me, I know that as someone who loves to hike and be in nature, it does make it kind of tough where you have to be cautious, obviously, for you and your family and those around you. And it can be tough in, in regards to that. And though it might seem almost like a little bit of a darkness in there, because we want this piece you're fighting for, that there is um, light, there is hope at the end. At least that's my takeaway and kind of what me and him discussed a little bit. So definitely check his out his work and let us know what you think moving forward. This next piece is submitted by Katya M. Vasliv, and you can find uh, them at Katya M. Vasliv, and I'll have everyone's names as well in the description, so you can look them up. Um, their social is also attached the same name as I'm reading here too, so you can find more of the work, and that goes for the other um, submitters as well. But the title of this piece is called The Birds That Live in My Hair. I wrote for the ones who had been forgotten, the ones who told me I would be forgotten. I wrote to save myself, and if not myself, then any other lost soul that needed saving. I wrote so that I may never forget, that I was not always a beautiful soul, that I had once caused such damage that I may never forget. So I learned to tell stories, so that I may never create a monster as terrible as me so that I could send them on a path of significantly greater deeds. I learned quickly that if I could be a monster, then I could create one too. And so, I bonded back each strand of hair that showed little less than perfection. If I could be perfection, if I could be what they needed, if my thoughts didn't race and my best got all A's, maybe I would not be a disappointment. Maybe I could find the light and the path to their idea of what is right. When I carved her name into my skin, I knew not that what I had done was wrong. When I had stitched up the scars they had left behind, I knew then that I had crossed the line. I had learned a lesson that should have already been inherently so, but my scars would serve as a reminder that I can be a monster, and I shall reap what I sow. Even now, I often have to remind myself that I am no longer that person. And though I do my best to change and to show them that I've changed, the people around you will never let you grow. They will spray you down with pesticides so that you will forever be the same person they originally came to know. I want to be what they want me to be, but a nest of birds lives in my hair. They sing to me on the nights I feel most alone. And so, most nights, I wish I had a button key and a tiny door into which I could disappear. Then the birds would come to life and I could understand the tangles in my hair and knots inside my mind. If I could disappear, I believe I might be happy. Even if I was not happy, I'm sure that if I could enter a separate world, that in which I should not bother the people from my own, I may feel some sort of satisfaction. Satisfaction is very much different from happiness, though. And so, I always stare off into space, 
wishing for a better life. It then becomes too easy. I become too vulnerable, and they use the rings of Saturn to hang me by a noose. A noose I've unwittingly created. A noose they could use to hang me up and freeze me in space, so that when I finally came back down, it would be easy. Easy for them to scoop me up and shatter me. I am therefore scared of breaking. I am scared of having anyone see me breaking. It becomes too easy for the monsters to close in on me when I have fallen, and the birds that live in my hair, my one and only comfort, fly away from me in fear. These monsters follow me everywhere. I can't open doors, for I'm scared they'll be there. I can't do anything when my monsters follow me everywhere. Even when I sleep, I must close the windows, for if I don't, they crawl into bed with me, and in my ear, they whisper the sweetest, most painful nothings. Now I know I was never a monster, but a mere person who needed to do some growing. So I wrote. I wrote to anchor myself to this reality, and to save myself from the pressure in my chest. I wrote to be rid of the birds that live in my hair, so I could brush out my knots and find someone who actually cared. When I wrote, I found a world in which I could breathe. I knew then it was time to try and find me. In the end, I found a life in which I felt was worth living, even if I've yet to actually find the me that needs saving. When I fall, it hurts, and it's hard to get up. But this time I know I'm human. So when I see that I bleed... I know perfection is a kindly worded illusion. I lost my monsters in a maze, and sometimes I wander back in, but I know I'll make it back out again. For I made a promise to a friend. I promised to survive, to drink in divine's summer wind, and to see the beauty in April's skies. When I'm with the two I know, this is how I'll be immortalized. Thank you, Katya, for such a powerful piece. When me and them spoke a bit about the submission, they mentioned how it was a darker piece, but I think ultimately it does have that light at the end. I think, at least for me personally, what capitalizes it all or sums it all up is, let me see here, um, that there I was never a monster, but a mere person who needed to do some growing. We all make mistakes and we all feel like we don't live up to our either our own expectations or others and we have to deal with our monsters and our demons and they can haunt us relentlessly. But we're always growing. No matter the age you are, you can always grow. You can always change. So thank you, Katya. That was what I got out of it and I would love to hear once again what all of you listeners thought of this piece. So that's it. That's the end. We made it to the end of episode one of Dead Letter Radio. I want to thank again uh, everyone who submitted, who uh, spoke with me on various social media platforms too, about submitting their work. I do have a ton of other stuff lined up as well for future episodes. And if you're interested, if you listen to this and you decided you want to submit something too, as I said, whether it's a poem, a short story, a letter, a rant, let me know. Reach out to me on my Twitter. You can go to at 
Dead Letter Cast. That's D E A D L E T T E R C A S T on Twitter. It's Dead Letter Radio. Uh, you'll see the username as. And DM me. Give me a follow, DM me, let me know, and I can go over more details about um, how to submit. I'll, as things go on, too, I'm kind of going to update the process and streamline it a bit. But for now, definitely reach out. This is the end of episode one of Dead Letter Radio. I am your host, Taze, and everyone who's listening, safe travels. <laughs>